Hello and welcome to Dare to Create, a podcast brought to you by Ford. I'm Penny Mallory, a former British and World Rally Championship driver and a huge motorsport fan. This original podcast series will be taking a unique look at innovation in motorsports and the people helping to craft the future of racing. We'll be chatting to the teams behind one of the world's leading car brands, as well as interviewing some of the rising stars in the world of racing. This is episode three, sustainability. In this episode, I'll be chatting about sustainability with some of the leading minds in motor racing. Julia Palais, Sustainability Director at Electric Motor Racing Series Formula E, and Darren Palmer, Global Product Development Director for Ford and Lincoln. In part one, I hear from Julia about Formula E's conception and the future of sustainable racing. So Formulae was created back in 2014 and clearly Formulae was created, um, I mean, with the purpose, uh, probably one of the first sports um, to be really kind of like focused on how we can make the world a better place and kind of like uh, drive innovation in the right direction so that it benefits people and the planet. So the, the purpose of Formulae was to really kind of like advance uh, electrification on the streets uh, to help fighting climate change and improve air quality in the cities. So back in 2014, we had our first race in Beijing, almost, I mean, just over, uh, kind of like, um, almost kind of like day on day, uh, today, day for day today. Um, and and since then, we've been around the globe um, in many different locations, uh, many amazing cities, such as New York, London, Paris, and so on, um, to raise awareness on, um, I mean, the fact that electric vehicles are a solution for today's mobility and the fact that uh, climate change is is one of the most pressing issues that humanity is facing and that uh, by changing the way we move um, in in our daily lives, uh, we can make a huge difference. So is your background motorsport mostly or sustainability mostly? Well, it's a bit of both. Um, I've studied sustainability. I have actually a sustainability degree, but I've always worked in, in motorsport. Uh, this is quite an, an interesting uh, mix, quite a niche, I would say. Um, I, I knew I always wanted to, uh, to apply my sustainability expertise in quite an industrial environment. Um, and to be honest, I was not really envisioning motorsport, uh, at least not particularly motorsport, but I had this amazing opportunity to start working for Michelin Motorsport, where obviously I was overseeing the sustainability aspect from the tires perspective, uh, which is essential in, in um, motorsport uh, competitions. Um, and then I had the fantastic opportunity to join the Formula E team and lead their sustainability efforts. So I made the jump. And what a beautiful uh, combination of all your skills, because there's only one job like that, I guess, and you got it, which is fabulous. So I, I've i been involved in motorsport most of my life, and part of the appeal to me is the noise and the smell and and the sort of chaoticness of motorsport. And I'm just wondering what the challenges have been of creating an electric driving series, because it's petrol heads um, like me who fell, fall in love with motorsport. So what are the challenges of the electric side of things? So clearly, um, I mean, our races are, are, are very different. Uh, there's a, there's a, a noise uh, of, for the cars, uh, which is kind of like a bit like a plane taking off in a way. Uh, but also, um, I mean, the fact that the noise is relatively limited 
is one of the, let's say, one of the main drivers for us to be able to race inner cities, which is really one of the, the key traits that are really unique for Formula um, for Formula races. So we literally race in the heart of Paris, in the heart of London, in the heart of, of New York. Um, I mean, literally in front of the Statue of Liberty. Um, and this is because the cities are okay to host us because, um, I mean, we're not a, too much of a disruption uh, in their kind of like everyday lives, uh, at least for the citizens. Um, and then, I mean, you mentioned kind of like the hecticness uh, of, of the racing, which is something that you particularly like. And I think that this is clearly something that uh, all the Formula E kind of like fans or anyone that will come to watch, to watch a Formula E race uh, would clearly kind of like find. Um, our races are so unpredictable. We, we normally have kind of like a, a, until the very last couple of races, uh, a, a pure kind of like question mark on who is going to be uh, the champion of the season. Um, and there is a lot of action on the track. This is absolutely um, astonishing. So, um, I mean, clearly this is very exciting motorsport all electric. So you're talking about Formula E um, as in open top, open wheel uh, racing cars, but I've been reading about Extreme E, which is an off-road series, and it really is extreme, sort of the Paris-Dakar type of car that you would um, see in the old days. Um, so tell me about that Extreme E series and what the limits are to what the electric cars can do off-road. Well, so the Extreme E is also a very interesting concept. And um, and uh, again, just to make it clear, really the, these, uh, I mean, the, the link in between Formula E and Extreme e is, is very clear. We have, um, let's say, the same founder initially, Alejandro Agat, who created and founded Formula E, is now the founder of Extreme E. And, and I think that the objective is very clear to make sure that, uh, I mean, the, the electric revolution uh, is being driven, um, I mean, in the cities with Formula E and uh, and off off road uh, with with Extreme E and and the SUVs all electric SUVs, um, so I would say that there is not many limits uh, in these disciplines. Uh, clearly, obviously, the technology is developing. That's that's always been the point the point of any motorsport series. But um, I mean the the capabilities of the batteries again coming back to Formula E and the fact that in just four seasons we managed to double the battery capacity. Now we're looking at kind of like fast charging, ultra fast charging uh, for the next generation of the cars. Um, and again, now seeing the, the off-road version with, the, with Xtreme E is really kind of like giving a, a sign of the fact that electric vehicles are kind of like a, not, not only an alternative, but maybe kind of like the prime choice uh, that you as a, a consumer a driver, uh, you can make, um, I mean, today, if you want to change your car. Um, also, the fact that the the range of electric vehicles that are now being offered, in comparison to just five years or, or more ten years ago, is absolutely incredible. Um, and and the type of brands that are committed to to offering electric, um, I mean, models is really amazing. And I, I also read that Lewis Hamilton is going to launch his own Extreme E team. What impact do you think that will have on the series? Well, obviously, it's a it's a great uh, it's a great support for the series. Um, it's also amazing to see that uh, I mean, stars uh, of let's say the traditional uh, motorsport are kind of like seeing the the opportunities uh, and the potential of uh, of extreme and and I would say more in general the, the all electric revolution. Um, so I think it's uh, it's obviously something that will uh, generate a lot of um, I mean. 
a lot of traction uh, for kind of like fans that normally follow motorsport and obviously kind of like uh, that follow um, Lewis Hamilton in particular. Um, and clearly, again, it's it's a great sign of the time that uh, electric is the future. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know a lot of racing series are looking to to make changes to become more sustainable. But e, Formula E was there first. How do you retain your position as the leader? Well, I would say it's it's an effort of every day, uh, making sure that we stay uh, we stay ahead of the curve and uh, and we keep um, we keep that very strong purpose and ethos. Uh, that he's kind of like the different, the key differentiator in between us and other series or other sports. The fact that sustainability is really at the heart of of everything that we do, and and anything that we do is is thought through the lenses of sustainability. I think that really kind of like the the, the biggest achievement that we've made uh, as a team is that we've implemented a true culture for sustainability within Formula E. And that helps uh, having that very thorough approach to uh, any projects, any new products that we want to launch, considering the sustainability aspects and also the opportunities. And today, obviously, we we announced that we are the first port ever to achieve carbon neutrality since uh, our inception. Um, And again, that is one example to showcase that uh, everything that we do is kind of like centered around the sustainability innovation and and the opportunities to showcase that this can be done and and this can be trickled down uh, to the other sports and the uh, to the other series. Challenges facing the, the the race series, the industry. What what is what are the plans that are afoot? What's going to happen? Well, I mean, obviously, there's uh, still a lot of uh, lot of uh, exciting things to to take place um, ahead of us. Um, obviously. Uh, being uh, being very pragmatic, uh, COVID is is uh, is putting the the entire motorsport and sports industry in a in a in a difficult situation. That that would be kind of like a, absolutely uh, I mean silly not not to say it. Uh, however, yeah. I think that uh, again, if 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 we come back to your previous point, uh, we saw that COVID was uh, the opportunity to I mean that was the slogan to build back build back better. And, uh, and clearly we see that uh, in this kind of like new new revival, I would say, of the economies once really the, the virus will be behind us. Um, I mean, there is a, there is a clear uh, ask, there is a clear will for um, economies and businesses focusing on sustainability and focusing focusing on bringing better futures. And, and again, um, I think Formula E is, is probably kind of like extremely well-placed uh, to showcase that this is something authentic and th- that this is something that uh, the sport can deliver, um, I mean, through the entertainment, but also most importantly, through the aspiration that the sport um, is and can be for the millions of people that follow it and and get these kind of like, I would say, I normally say, these seeds that we plant uh, in their minds and uh, that touches their their heart and their minds um, to, to live a more sustainable lifestyle. Yeah, and I think COVID, like you say, is is accelerating an awful lot of people's plans to make changes sooner, faster, better, um, whatever industry you're in. But I wonder what you think about other race series and why they've been slow to make changes towards sustainability. Well, I mean, um, I think, unlike, I would say, sports competition, uh, we're not all starting on the same line. So, um, I mean, we need to probably be a bit kind of like patient sometimes and, uh, 
and leave, um, I mean, the other series to take the time to, to embrace that change because unlike Formula E and, and Extreme E uh, in some extent, uh, these, uh, these series were created on, on very kind of like a very different um, purpose, uh, normally not kind of like social nor environmental purpose. So it takes time to realign and to find kind of like their their own uh, reason to be and and how they can advance sustainability in their own field. The other thing is that uh, there is unfortunately uh, within the sustainability world a sort of shame to to say that you're at the beginning of the journey, uh, which is uh, I mean which is something that I um, I mean I don't um, I don't particularly understand because there I I see nowhere else where it's a shame to say that you're at the beginning and that you want to make a start. But in sustainability, there's always this, I would say, apprehension to say that you're starting your journey and that you want to to improve. So I think that we need to be uh, also sometimes a bit more kind of like um, a, a bit kinder to organizations that do want to make a start and are not necessarily coming up with a big announcement that they have achieved a lot, but just say that uh, they, they know that sustainability is important to, to them as an organization, most importantly to their fans, uh, because they want to be inspired with, by sports that have values, uh, but, they, but that they are just starting. Welcome back to Dare to Create, Episode 3, Sustainability. We just heard from Formula E's Julia Palais about what lies ahead for sustainable racing, now let's hear from Darren Palmer at Ford and Lincoln. I chatted to Darren about the transformation of the iconic Mustang into an electric car, and also how performance and electrification can go hand in hand. So when we looked at what will drive the uptake of electric vehicles, we considered what, what will make people want to move to electric vehicles faster. And we also looked at the technology and the cost of that technology available at the time. And so we selected a strategy for Ford that we believe will drive the uptake of electric vehicles. And at the first stage, due to the cost of the batteries, it, it's better to start where customers can afford the vehicle and where they see that there is real benefit for them. And so that's why we started with the Mach-E because the Mackie is a highly emotional vehicle in that mid-size SUV segment where it's very close to what people would pay for that vehicle already. And we believe the, the battery electric vehicle system can deliver them things they never had before, so offer value to them. And when they see that value and emotion, it then drives them to want an electric car where they were maybe thinking about it or on the fence. But when they see that what that product offers, it suddenly pulls them into the vehicle. Therefore, we're, we're trying to pull them in with emotion and make, make them want the vehicle first rather than buying it for purely practical reasons. And we think that's what will help drive the uptake of electric cars faster. And when you talk about the emotion of the Mustang, I mean, obviously, historically, Mustang conjures up all sorts of things for me. But how do you, how do you inject emotion into an electric vehicle? So as we developed the vehicle, we started to see the performance indicators, what, what it could do. And as we added more and more, we realized that that performance would be an exceptional level, something that many people have, have never experienced before. Um, really was the, 
reserve of supercars just just a, 10 years ago. Um, and so we started to think, how can we, what's the best brands we have and what's the best vehicles related to sport and performance that we have? And of course, that's Mustang. And so as we started to think about, could this, should this be a Mustang? We started to think about what elements of Mustang, does it fit? And we also saw that um, or the Mustang Coupe is a very me car, and we're seeing the emergence of the millennial generation and younger people, they want a we car, a car you know, for them and their tribe. And so that's, that's what helped us fix on what is the format of the car. So it's an SUV type vehicle. Um, but then we worked with the Mustang team to say, what are the elements that make Mustang special? It's the, of course, the styling first. Then it's the way it handles, the way it feels like a rear wheel drive vehicle, of course. Um, the way it makes you feel when you sit in it, the colours, the sounds, and and of course overall performance and technology. And in this segment here, technology is very very prominent in this vehicle. Darren, can you just paint a picture for me? Um, I haven't seen the Mac E. Can you describe it for me? Yeah, so I'll describe it for you in the words of some customers I showed the prototype vehicle to last weekend. So I watched a group of people come up to the car and they came over because they said, what is that car? That It looks beautiful. It was a red one, first edition, and glowing in the sun. So they were like, what is that? I've got to come and see. About 30 people came over to see. And I took them through the journey that a typical customer would see. So I handed one a phone and said, here's the key. There is no key. Your phone is. And then, and then they approach the car, and it doesn't have traditional door handles. Um, you touch the gate. It's like an iPhone button. You touch it, and the door automatically unlocks and feeds to you, opens about four inches for you automatically. Um, then they, so you pull the door open effortly with one finger, and you sit down, and you see all the technology in the car. It has a 15-and-a-half-inch screen. It has a 10-inch um, cluster in front of you for hot key driver's information. And it has an all-new HMI system that has been designed ground up to be human-centric. So as you sit down, the car knows who you are. It has loaded the profile from your phone. It now has all of your um, seat settings, steering, braking, um, your preference for which type of mood it is, if it's in unbridled or in whisper, all of your radio settings, your favorite team preferences, and um, the locations that you uh, are visiting regularly. And then the car will offer up suggestions for you. So if it's a Wednesday afternoon and you're leaving work and you often go to the gym, it will offer that up to you um, as a suggestion. And it's got a machine learning system that just learns you and your preferences to try and help you more. Um, you'll see that it has um, uh, a car, Android Auto or CarPlay system that connects wirelessly to your phone. So Within 10 minutes of ownership, it's already customized to all of your music and podcasts and preferences. And it runs that at the same time as the main vehicle operating system. So you can switch between them seamlessly. I think that's the first ever car that can do that. Um, the performance is exhilarating. So the different derivatives, but the GT derivative is in the mid four second performance, which is really supercar performance from a few years ago. Um, so you notice that very fairly quickly. 
It has a propulsion sound that I can best describe as kind of turbine um, sound to the vehicle. So it sounds very pleasing. And then it has a B&O sound system, which we did in conjunction and tuned it with them because it's so quiet. Um, and this type of customer really appreciates good sound. So it has absolutely fantastic sound. The sunroof is the entire roof. So the whole, the whole roof is open to you. That also gives extra space in the back. It's, I'm six foot six and I can sit in the back with one inch above me. So when you can marry performance and styling and handling and the feeling and the technology, that gets customers really excited. Yes, we, we're just getting our first production vehicles now. And in our human-centric way of working now, we, we go and show those to people and watch their reactions. And I'm in that phase at the moment. And I, I can't remember a car in my career that gets more reaction from people than this car. And I, I, as I mentioned, I launched Mustang. I love Mustang. I, I have a, I have a GT350R that I bought um, when I was leading Mustang here, uh, and I love that. That gets uh, has so much emotion to it. But when we show people this car, they really didn't see it coming. They, you know, as I see them approach the vehicle and it's beautiful and it looks much better in person, I think, than any of the pictures. They see the proportions, how it looks. They see the hint of Mustang, the rear lights, the front lights, and there are nods to that design everywhere, but it just makes it a beautiful car. And then when they open the door and they see the technology inside, it draws them in. And when they sit down and they see that the car has already seen them coming, loaded their profile in and completely personalized the car to their needs, it blows them away. And then they discover the sound system, which is a B&O branded sound system. And in an electric car, it sounds absolutely fantastic. Again, another trait of Mustang, because you know what I love about it and what I've seen people all around the world love about it is just that escape from the, the daily work and other pressures in your life and you sit down in your Mustang and you go to drive off, everybody feels better. And and this electric one has that same feeling about it when you sit down and want to go for a drive. So, you know, especially in this the days at the moment with um, COVID, for me, getting out for an hour, sitting down in that car and driving off, it's just, it's fantastic. It's the same feeling I get in a Mustang Coupe. It sounds super. I'd, I'd love to have a go. So you, you, you put together all the components that get people excited. But what happens when you're trying to minimise environmental impact? I mean, I know Ford has been recognised as a global leader in water and climate change efforts. But specifically, how are you minimising the environmental impact? Yeah. So this is something very, very important to our chairman. Bill Ford has been at the forefront of this for a very long time. And June this year, we published our 21st annual sustainability report to, and we recommitted to achieving carbon neutrality globally by 2050. We're the only full-line US automaker committed to doing our part to reduce CO2 emissions in line with the Paris Climate Agreement. And we're working with California for stronger greenhouse gas standards. Um, so we believe by electrifying our popular nameplates, we believe we can excite customers to move to electric vehicles. And so that would that's key to delivering that carbon neutral commitment by 2050. Um, that's the fastest way of moving fleet averages 
towards that goal. I mean, for example, from 2012 to 19, fuel economy for the F-150 improved by 16%. The escape improved 14% and the expedition improved by 30%. But, that, but I mean, that's only part of it. So for, for our aspirations, we're looking across our entire value chain. So energy, we'll use 100% locally sourced renewable energy for all manufacturing plants by 2035. For waste, we'll achieve true zero waste to landfill across our operations, and we will eliminate single-use plastics from all operations by 2030. For water, we, we will make zero water withdrawals for the manufacturing process, and we will use fresh water for human consumption only. And for air, we aspire to achieve zero air emissions from all of our facilities. And for materials, we are aspiring to use only recycled and renewable plastics in all of our vehicles globally. And on the Mackie, we moved away from leather into um, man-made leather. Um, and um, that has been a fantastic move. The, the feedback we got from customers were much more over, overwhelmingly positive than I, I realised it would be. So that I'm so pleased we did that move. Thank you for listening to Ford's Dare to Create podcast. Join us for our next episode, where we'll be talking to one of racing's pioneers, Davina Galitza MBE and one of the brightest stars of the future, stock car driver Hayley Deegan. Listen to Dare to Create across all major podcast platforms now.